Welcome to North of the Shire, your podcast on all things Lord of the Rings. But let's be honest, it's mostly about the Middle Earth strategy battle game by Games Workshop. I'm your host, Don, and this is episode 32. Today, I'm here once again with my trusty co-host, Andrew Brock. How are you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. We talked about it before the uh, before we started that I wasn't going to go more negative, and I'm doing yeah. fantastic. Because you're not shining. doing fantastic. I know the <laughs> truth. I'm so tired. Because <laughs> it has like literally taken us a month to get over to get together with like at least a couple of cancellations in there. So yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's a busy time for you, I, I know. Yeah, and it was funny because you messaged me and I'm like, what time is it again? Oh my God, it's 15 past where we're supposed to start recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making this happen, Don. This is happening. <laughs> okay, so okay, how are so you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I was just going to say that, I, like, I think this is officially going to be our first sort of, um, what are you going to call it? Our first episode that has been... Um, what compromised uh due to andrew's like extremely busy schedule you know uh, child on the way etc work uh requirements or what whatnot mm-hmm. um so so this episode is going to be partly andrew and me and i think partly garrett and myself oh i think okay. at least that's the plan we'll see what okay. we'll see what happens i don't know that's one thing we've all learned over the last couple of years is you know make plans but don't expect for them to happen that's right uh, <laughs> i won't quote sun tzu on that but sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so what are we going to talk about we're going to do andrew and i are going to do a catch-up um then we're going to do the main topic, which uh, the plan is for me to do the main topic with Garrett. We were at a tournament recently, so we're going to talk mm. about that, which is just, you know, not a big tournament, but it's our first one we've been to in a very long time. So um, we're going to do all that is gold does not glitter. Mm-hmm. We've got like several messages, emails and questions. So we'll have to do a little juggling there because it's okay. too much for us to get through all of it. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to do what have I got in my pocket? And right. that's Andrew's favorite segment that he's never prepared for. So we'll that's see. That's right. What hey, that's, that's the whole point. You know, <laughs> what have I got in my pocket is all about asking a question and forcing you to come up with an answer on the spot. I decided to take hard mode on this one. I want to figure out a question on the spot to ask you on the spot so that you answer on the spot. Right on. Okay. You're really taking it to heart. Now. That's okay. right. That's I got exactly it. I got it. it. Whereas you plan it. my, uh, my uh, humiliation each episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're going easy mode today. Don't oh. worry. Don't be afraid. Oh, okay. It's good to know. Um, I got a new computer. Oh. So, you know, it's not super fantastic, but it's really good. Way better than my old one. So mm-hmm. hopefully editing will be a little quicker because I don't have to edit out this like raging noise of a fan blowing constantly. Uh, hopefully that'll speed up the editing process for me a little bit. I was going to say, I mean, it sounds like um, by the, the absence of volume in the background, I'm like, we've got a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so nice. Yeah. So nice to have, yeah. Uh, what have you been up to besides work over the last month? Can you believe it? It's um, been a month. It has oh been God. a month. Well, I have been watching the Warhammer community pages um, like a hawk, hoping to see some more Middle Earth related stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's it's about time we we get a we get a, def- a War in the North book, you know. Like step up your game, G Dubs. We want some. Uh, we want yeah. some stuff. We were uh, all excited for the Adepticon. 
releases last was it last night yes last night yeah and it was like a bop 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 yep literally pretty much literally nothing yeah <laughs> i i am excited to buy models that i'll never paint because the current models i have won't get painted either <laughs> <laughs> so anyways we were we were pleasantly surprised um with the reveal of the dragon emperor yeah, yeah. very cool looking model Wow, like I was a little leery about it, and I know we talked about I talked about this with Chris in the Gazing into Galadriel's Mirror episode, I believe it was, mm -hmm. um, where I'm like, I really hope they don't take the Age of Sigmar approach to this and make this just massive, ridiculous thing, and you're just yeah. like, that's high fantasy, and that's not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and it's not like that. It's it's. I think it's good. What do you think? I think it's a really beautiful model. It, it's yeah. captured the, the Easterlings quite well. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here to talk about predictions of what this model will do. Oh my God. We're going into the rules here. Okay, you, so. That's where you go. Like you go straight for the rules. There's no messing around. We, we could probably talk for half an hour about the model, but no. We're going to talk about the rules and what does it do and how OP is it going to be. You know it's going to be OP because they have to sell the damn thing, and it's huge. So you know oh, it's going to be OP. It's going to be good. I, I, it's no doubt. It's going to be good, and it's probably going to be like 250, 300 points. I mean, come on, the size of this thing, it can't not be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's got a lot, a lot of uh, how many? What is it? Eight or six guys holding it up? Six guys holding it up, and uh, the dragon emperor himself standing there in the open, waiting to be shot yeah. by a ballista bolt. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's hear some of your predictions. Uh, okay, so they, they talk about the elven-made emperor's glaive, which deflecting attacks and striking back in equal measure. Now, what does that sound to you? You know, it what sounds I mean? like it's got the ability to sort of parry, mm -hmm. uh, and the striking back is um, Sharku, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's reminiscent of the Sharku. Like, if mm -hmm. what is that? If you failed a wound, or yeah, I, if you failed I a should wound. know it's an Isengard model. Goodness me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you get a free attack back. Yeah. Or, or uh, Thorin and his his shield, his yeah. uh, the Oaken Shield. Oaken Shield. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. So on top of it being a glaive, which means that uh, you can shield with it. Which you know, given the size of this model, shielding wouldn't be a bad thing. Sometimes um, you can go two-handed with it, and um, you can—it's just an elven blade. So mm -hmm. the fact that it sounds like it deflects attacks, which sounds to me like a Rumil power, or like makes your opponent reroll sixes, at least reroll yeah, one yeah. six in the combat, um, and then striking back with equal measure, maybe like um, on a six rolled. Um, they, they could do an attack back at you in the dual phase. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds very much like, like a, maybe it could be both Ramil and um, Sharku's rules sort of combined, or it could be kind of like a combination of the two. But that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I wonder if there'll be, um, and I forget if chariots have this, is there some kind of an in the way, like against melee attacks for attacking a chariot or like attacking a, a crew member of a chariot? I think there is. Come on, rules guy, I'm putting uh, you under pressure. I don't, I don't use chariots, that's the problem. Um, I think, yeah, you can attack the guys in the vehicle, um, and I think it does require an in the way. Don't quote me on this for those who mm -hmm. are making me quote them. I was just thinking that because of the size of this one, it's mm -hmm. possible you could see something like that. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, the interesting thing is that, you know, it talks about six pa uh, bl elite black dragons. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Who all can get, so who can all get a few swings of their own in. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's six of them. So are you saying that there's... 
this model is going to have six attacks plus the Dragon Emperor's three. Is that what they're saying here? Yeah, who knows? Uh, they could, it, the number of attacks the, the model could get could be somewhat arbitrary. Like it just gets X number of attacks. It may mm -hmm. not have anything to do with the fact that there are six guys holding it up. Um, I don't think it's really realistic that all six guys could direct their attacks at one individual model that was in contact with the with this uh what is this thing anyway a war machine a uh, well that's the question it's yeah. a i would assume it's some sort of palaquin so it'd probably yeah. be a chariot but it would be like a chariot without impact hits and without i would hope there'd be no no impact hits and like stupid. a six inch, six inch move and a six inch move yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah um and so as we continue along you know you're looking at this and it says like the uh, runes warriors uh, who dare not disgrace themselves within his sight. So, I mean, like, one, he's got a board-wide standfast, which affects Easterling heroes. That in and of itself is massive. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and any nearby units uh, able to see the uh, majestic royal palaquin fight harder in its presence. That reads to me like mm -hmm. a banner right off the hop. Yeah, it could be banner. Could yeah, most most likely it would be banner. I think that's the most appropriate thing yeah. that it would be. And, and I'm feeling like he's probably like on foot. He's probably a six inch banner. And then I think when he gets on the royal palaquin, it sort of like extends the range to like twelve inches. That's what I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Like twelve inch radius banner. Um, you know, and mm -hmm. that kind of fits with like how massive this thing is. And if you're looking at some of the items on the actual palaquin, you see a banner on the back, obviously, but you also see like the symbol of, um, uh, you know, the, the Easterlings on top, the icon. Yeah, and I feel like because of just how big this thing is, either it's gonna like extend it to like 12 inches with a banner, but then else, I, I, for some reason, I feel like it's gonna give like a Dane special rule of like um, either a bonus to courage or automatically pass courage checks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I just hope it's not another like Mumuk or chariot where it, it essentially has an entire rule book to itself. You know, I'm exaggerating. It's a couple of pages of rules, mm -hmm. um, but like, I can't stand that. It's just like, oh my God, it's just like, let's stop the game for 15 minutes while we figure out one small detail oh, of what's oh, happening. Oh, there's definitely, this is definitely going to be that model. I'm telling you right now. Oh, Cause yeah, I hope not. He says, should his fancy ride be destroyed or voluntarily abandoned? Okay, cool. The dragon right. emperor continues on foot with his remaining black dragons in tow. Remaining. That word right there tells me you actually can kill the black dragons while they're sort of together in the palaquin. Yeah. Yeah, it would make sense. So, I mean, right there, it, it kind of lends to me like this is going to be at full power. It's going to be a nine attack model that's probably fight six. But if you want to sort of like, you know, whittle it down, you can shoot and, you know, kill the, the black dragons who are carrying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would imagine, too, there's a certain minimum of um, the black dragons that still have to be around in order to actually carry the palanquin mm -hmm. you know if it drops below four or drops below three or whatever yeah. then they have to abandon it like movement decreases and stuff like that yeah 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 and and the problem i find with that idea is it reeks of age of sigmar yeah it's i was just gonna say so big of age yeah. of sigmar yeah. so I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case but like I have it's a feeling it's going to be like that. It's actually one of the things that, you know, I've never played Age of Sigmar. Um, does 40k do that now too? Yep. 
Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I've never played 40K since they've adopted that. And I remember reading about that and thinking, hey, this is a good thing, because one of the things that I always hated about 40K was they got in certain situations where, you know, you would have a tank or something and it couldn't be hurt. Yeah. Um, and, and now you have this rule, which essentially is you're allowed to chip away at something and slowly reduce its uh, stat profile mm-hmm. over, you know, many hits. Yeah. You know, even though they may be smaller. Exactly. Um, so that, I don't know, like, I don't know how I feel about that. I'd have to see the rules for it. Yeah. But I mean, like, if this is hypothetically a nine attack model, six guys attack each, three from the Dragon Emperor, plus he has some sort of deflecting ability, which lets him, mm-hmm. like, win fights, he's guaranteed to be fight six. There's no way it's not. Um, on top of that, he's got a banner for sure. <clears throat> And probably obscenely high courage, at least a six, right? Because it's also board wide. So all of this stuff combined, and it's like, oh, um, and when they talk about like voluntarily abandoned, I mean, come on, with the remaining mm-hmm. black dragons in tow, that tells me exactly what you're, you're saying. Like the more black dragons he loses, and maybe you have to roll like in the ways to see if you hit like this massive palaquin mm-hmm. or the guy, um, you know, the more you lose, the slower it gets until it finally grinds to a halt. And so it's like, it really penalizes some armies that just don't have shooting, if that were the case, if this is the case, right? Yeah. And it, like based on the wording here and based on um, sort of the, 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 the way that this is sort of built, it kind of reads to me like that is the case, you know? Where, like, you really want to stop this model, you have to shoot it from a distance. You don't want to engage it because it will roll over you. Right. Uh, well, I'm going to disagree with one of the things you said, and you said it's going to be fight fight six. There's no way it's not going to be, and I'm going to disagree with that. I'd say that it's very unlikely that it's going to be fight six because it would be unprecedented. It's, it's a man. There's no men that are fight six. Mm. Uh, men, men are only fight five. Um, I would think it's more likely that it'll be fight five and then possibly have something that will allow it to strike easier. Like, you know, if you call a strike on a four plus, you get that point of might back or, you know, some such rule like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see it being fight six. Well, considering Amdur is fight six and he's an Easterling, and I believe Rut- oh, is he? Rutabi is another Easterling, the newest hero out. Uh, and I believe Rutabi is also fight six. So considering both of those are fight six, it would not surprise me that this guy is fight six. Shows you what I know about these Eastern armies. Also, every hero, um, every like major faction leader, um, for the most part, is at least fight six. You've got Aragorn of Minas Tirith, he's fight six. Boromir, he's fight six. You've got um, the dwarves, all their big heroes are fight six. You've got the elves, all their big heroes are fight six. Um, I mean, I'm talking about good at this point. Uh, but when you dive over to the evil side, you're right, they're, it's hit or miss, whether it's some models are fight six and some mm-hmm. aren't. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling like Easterlings is the faction you're going to go to if you want those fight six, fight seven models, you know? I'm going to stick with my fight five prediction. Okay. He's throwing it down the gauntlet. Okay, so that's what I've been up to, staring at this and wondering what could it be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, you, don't, you don't see a model like that come out very often, honestly, so it's worth, you know... It's worth gawking at for quite a while and trying to figure out what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Um, I've been really busy, actually. Well, it's been quite a while, so it's been much longer than than we uh, we normally have between episodes. So, uh, you know, I've been working on getting models ready to paint. I still haven't really painted too much. Um, I did have a week off. I think I mentioned that in uh-huh. the last episode. I had a week yeah. off coming up. Um, you know, Chris has been uh, flaunting his you know painting progress in oh our God, faces yes. that like i he's last i heard anyways probably more now he was up to 23 models and um on my uh week off i had set myself a goal to paint 10 models and mm. i actually managed to paint 15 models wow so that was pretty good i sort of finished off my um Dunland Army of Dunland so i got i painted 13 models there okay, and yeah. then i just had like a random elf sentinel that mm-hmm. was like half painted, so I just finished that off. And a warg of all things, I just oh. had a warg that was also sitting around half painted, so I finished that off. So I'm up to 15 on the count. So Dang. it's like I'm on the board. I'm on You're the board. On the board. I have board. a couple of other models that are damn near finished. So. Yeah, and you know, Garrett has been priming models, which is fantastic. That means he's yeah. in the game. Like if you can was, get Garrett, if you can get Garrett past the mold line cleaning phase, yeah. he'll paint a model. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The whole the whole mold line process for him is like a huge hurdle. Like for me is actually getting the motivation to dip my paint or my paintbrush into paint Mm -hmm. is is a real struggle. Uh, For him, it's mold lines. Yeah, really is. Um, And and so I was like, excellent. Don, he's going crazy. Garrett's like into the priming (laughs) phase. I mean, stuff's getting done. And then friggin' Chris takes a photo and says, here's 83 models I just primed. And I'm like, oh, God. I know, yeah, yeah. He bought, he bought. Uh, Chris bought a bunch of Easterling plastics, and uh, what was the other thing? Dale. Dale I think he yeah, bought yeah. Uh, like a box or two of Dale models he, as well. He's, he's priming up for that war in the oh North. Book. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I can challenge him. I think I have ninety models primed and ready to paint. It's just he paints a lot better and faster than me because he's like a machine at it. He does it regularly, where I'm like yeah. not quite that way. Just contrast, man. Contrast. It's the only way. Oh, that's all I do now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have also been working on a couple of pieces of terrain mm-hmm. for, we have a Battle Companies tournament coming up I April 2nd. That. Yeah, so I have a, I had a half-finished piece of terrain that I started right at the beginning of COVID, specifically for uh, battle companies, which mm-hmm. is in two of the missions, there's a 12-inch diameter camp. Oh. Um, so, you know, I had gathered up a bunch of uh, STL files that were free and some weren't free of camp stuff, tents, etc., and um, cut out a, a few 12-inch diameter sort of MDF wooden bases. And, um, yeah, so I finished doing up one of those pieces of terrain and I think I, I posted a picture of it on our uh, our Facebook page. If anyone's Dude, I saw that. Checking it out. Yeah, yeah it's real nice. Uh, what else was the other one? And then I had, um, I'm building another one for a specific ter- mission, which is, I think that the mission is called The Gate. And it's essentially one battle company has to protect a, a gate. And mm. uh, I had a bunch of, again, a bunch of 3D printed stuff that was dwarvish related statues and stuff. And so... Uh, I had a bunch of foam around, mm-hmm. and I'm putting together a, a gate for uh, battle companies as well. So I think I did put some work in progress pictures up on our yeah, Facebook yeah. page of that. 
So that's coming along. I'm actually off tomorrow, so hopefully mm -hmm. doing going to do some work on that. Yeah, yeah. And I actually dove in and bought uh, something, another toy. Uh oh. Yeah. So, um, my this is my excuse, okay? Uh huh. Like I'm hoping, like between three and five years from now, to retire. Okay. Okay. So, like, I want to get all of these major pieces of hobby gear ready to go oh this sounds like an airbrush to me no oh. that's one of the things that's okay, on my okay. list it's on my list still but i haven't got that but like um for for building terrain there there's a facebook group called foam modeling workshop mm -hmm. it's a facebook group oh you got a foam and, cutter yeah Okay. So so on there is like lots of crazy stuff. A lot of MESBG people on there about mm. all kinds of different um, hobby stuff. And, and they there's like some amazing stuff that people carve out of foam or make out of foam. Like yeah. really amazing stuff. And and on there, you, a lot of people talk about this Praxin foam cutter. Mm -hmm. And essentially what it is, is it's kind of like a small table saw, but it's a hot wire foam cutter. I have seen that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so and like I have this like really like handheld Mickey Mouse one that everybody has. Mm -hmm. And... And um, so, yeah, I pulled the trigger on that and it actually was waiting for me today when I came home Ooh. in front of the door. So that's what I'll be putting that together tomorrow and mm -hmm. playing with that a little bit. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I think I remember watching, is it Black Magic Crafts? I think that's who it is, the YouTube guy. And he does like huge amounts of like foam um, uh, builds. Mm -hmm. And he does it all with this Praxin uh, wire cutter saw. And he's got everything yeah. lined up and he's slicing it perfectly. And I'm just like, what the heck oh, is yeah, going yeah. on? Well, there's like, there's tons of like templates that people make so that you can quickly like make bricks or stairs or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you just have like a, a wooden template and then you, you run it through the wire and you, that's what you end up with out of foam. So, hmm. yeah, so that's good. Um, one thing we should mention too, um, we actually did pull the trigger, I guess, in a sense, and that is Canadian Shire. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we, we did let our, our league organizer know that we do intend to run our Canadian Shire tournament this October. That's right. Our so, call. Yeah. Now the pressure's on. Well, you know, um, I'd say I've got an abundance of time and I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. But actually, I am looking at trying to take off a second sort of sp um, you know, batch of time yeah. in the fall because I have an abundance of it. Mm -hmm. I really do have an abundance of vacation saved up. Um, so, yeah, that would kind of fall right around the time yeah. of the Canadian Shire. So that's exciting because mm -hmm. uh, we haven't obviously done anything like that for a couple of years. Oh, and God, it's going to yeah. always requires a lot of work, um, getting a tournament ready. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so... We have to potentially sort out our venue too because our venue that we had for the first two years of it yeah. sold and it's still a potential uh, thing we could use that place, but mm. also it may not be affordable now. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean the other the I mean the other people who had the other place, they were phenomenal. I mean Oh yeah, they were great. Yeah. And they just wanted us in there, so like the cost was was really reasonable. Yeah, and, and you know, everybody was well fed the entire day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no complaints there. Yeah. Um, like I said, we did go to a tournament, uh, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about that because I think Garrett and I will will be talking about that for our uh, main segment of this episode. Awesome. Spoiler alert, I didn't win. You didn't win. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you, you, know, you weren't there. Uh, one thing that I, di I did have... Um, 
coming out of that tournament, oh my God, it was shocking. Like two years off of tournaments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm 59, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, as, as you will eventually fall out uh, or find out when you turn 50, your body starts falling apart. Um, so by 59, you know, pre-COVID, it, it usually was taking me a couple of days to recover from the tournament, like, mm-hmm. i.e., my back would be just killing me, mm-hmm. right? Well, this time here, same thing, mm-hmm. right? But also my knees, oh my God. It was like I was just in rough shape for like probably three days after the tournament. And these are one-day tournaments, I know. Know, let me tell you. Yeah, so you, that that was a shock to me, I'm telling you. It was like... Oh my God. So, so now I'm like exercising and dieting <laughs> and like all of this stuff, right? It's like, oh my goodness, I can't have this happen. It's, it's not for his health. It's not for the betterment of going out and enjoying life. It's so that when he goes to these events, his it's knees like, and back don't kill him like, at the end of it. Well, no, it's just like, I, I, you know, if it, if it gets much worse, I won't be able to do it. Like, I, I got to be able to keep going to the tournaments. It's like, I, right. I really look forward to it. And, you know, it's 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 something I really enjoy. So I, I can't have uh, something as silly as, oh, my back hurts, my knees hurt, so I can't mm. go. Well, I am looking forward to my first tournament. I don't know when it's going to be, probably sometime this year. And uh, man, it's going to be one of those like, put your money where your mouth is. I'm like, you've been you've been doing this podcast for like almost two years, yeah. and you're you know you're talking about all these tactics and stuff. You better win, or it's just like, oh god. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Put up or shut up. Let's see what you got to exactly. what you got to show. Exactly. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we will move on to the next segment, which will hopefully be Garrett and I. And uh, I guess you and I will still record some additional stuff that'll be tagged on later in the episode. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. All right, let's talk about, and as planned, I have Garrett here who is like pinch hitting for Andrew. How's you doing, Garrett? Great. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. After many attempts for us to try to connect on this wonderful sound trap, we finally got it to work and sorted that out after many frustrating attempts. Yeah, I think I've figured out what the issue was, so... Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So what we're going to talk about here is that we went to a tournament finally, you and I, um, just what, a few weeks ago. It was on Saturday, March 5th. And, you know, I think we went to a tournament late last year, but it really felt like the first one kind of where we were all sort of back from um, this COVID lockdown stuff. Yeah, it was it was fun to get out and uh, and try it out again. Like we we had gone to one previously. I think it was in September, before yeah. our fourth or fifth lockdown. I forget which one yeah, it yeah. is now. Um, but uh, yeah, we got to go to this one and have a good time. Yeah, like never say never, but it feels like you know the sort of the last of the lockdowns is 
was finished and we finally got to go to this one. I mean, we were all still wearing masks, so there was still that, but um, by and large, it was it was a pretty normal tournament, really. Um, it took place in Oshawa, Ontario, here at a place called Critical Hit Gaming, which is a really nice spot for a tournament, eh? It is. Yeah, and it's like a reasonably big hall. Um, it's kind of like a really... Uh, you know, it's got a high ceiling and they have food and beverages there so they can they bring your food to your table. They take your order for lunch. You know, we didn't even have a lunch break. They just bring your order to you while you're playing your game. So you don't yeah. lose any time where everybody sort of leaves the building for an hour kind of thing. Yeah, it's not like your normal gaming store. They have stuff for sale, but yeah. their selection's not very large like there's no. just a couple shelves i think their their way that they've designed the setup is that it's more just like a gaming area and they cater to people running events and tournaments and yeah it's more of a that. hall really like yeah. i'd say the thing they had the most of for sale there were cards yes. like they seem to have quite a few magic cards and other card games which mm -hmm. you know it's a popular thing because it doesn't take up a huge amount of space no and it seems like, like I looked at their website, it seems like they run a lot of events, so that um, that takes up most of their, their time there. Yeah. And it had been a couple of years since we've been there. I know we had our uh, season-ending GT there a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, which, was, which was great. We had a lot more people then. This that was during that snowstorm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was January <laughs> last time we were there, and... We all got there and it was fine and it just snowed like hell all day long and we all left and there was like, I don't know, six inches of snow on the ground or something. Yeah, it wasn't a fun drive home. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, this time around we had, I think they had 20 people signed up for the event, but we had like five or six people cancel like within 24 hours of the event. So in the end there was only 14, so it was very small, um, but you know, like I always say, you know, as long as there's four other people there for me to play games against, you don't really notice. You know, I still got four games in. We all yeah. had a great time. Um, yeah. You know, we I had people, people there from. Go ahead. Like you played new people? Yeah, I played some new people. Um, but, you know, I was going to say we had people there from uh, from a fair distance. We had a couple of people from Ottawa and. Ben came down from from up north, so you know we had people from all over in this one, which was good to see all those guys again. I hadn't seen them for two years, so yeah, it's good so. to see some of the people, like you say, that you haven't seen in a while. So yeah, yeah, but a lot of new faces too. Yeah, there were there was quite a few. We'll get into that when we like we'll go through our games quickly. Um, you know, I don't want to go through the laborious uh, dice roll by dice roll, but we'll just say who we played and how it went kind of thing but it was just a one-day event like most of our events are one-day events and uh it was 700 points were there any other restrictions or anything i forgot uh no smog no tom and goldberry and there was a 40 model cap oh yeah yeah 40 model cap um the reason why they did the 40 model cap was because we had to be out of there at i think what 6 p.m or yeah they because of the way that they run the store, it, it has like a cutoff time. So yeah. we had to be packed up and out of there by six. 
so the so the game times were one hour 45 minutes and i think if you look in the uh in the guide i'm pretty sure for 700 it recommends two hours i could be wrong but i think it recommends two hours um and the games all did feel a little short on time i'm pretty sure all four of my games went to time i don't think any of them came to a natural conclusion uh I th- maybe my last game did um but the other three no they i yeah i played to the time on on the other ones yeah um okay well let's like what army did you bring let's talk about our armies a little bit um so i just took army of the dead um it's an army i like it seemed like it would be decent for this event Mm-hmm. With the the shorter time uh, per round, and the fact that I could maximize models just taking normal Army of the Dead mm-hmm. with no no big point sink heroes like Aragorn and that. Yeah, because normally you run Return of the King. Correct. Yeah, I've done it at eight hundred points. Uh, I wanted to try just having a whole bunch of bodies on the field. Right. And I think I had thirty six models in total. Yeah, it was a big army because did you have the heralds or no? I forget. No, I just took the king and that was my only hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, four riders of the dead and then a combination of um, guys with spear and shield and just shield. Okay, but they all had shield, right? Yeah, everything was defense eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, for myself, I went and I took my. Uh, I was all set to bring Kazadum. I had my army all ready to go, and and Drew kept telling me, "Bring your micro <laughs> Isengard <laughs> micro warband, because you want to try to do well, you know. Bring that." And I'm like, oh, "I'm just gonna bring my Kazadum." Oh no, bring that! So I and last minute change, and I ended up bringing my Isengard micro warband because the last 700 point tournament that I went to, which was in now when was it? February 2020. Yeah, February 2020. Um, I came in second with that list, and it was also 700, so the army list was already made up. Yeah. So uh, I did end up bringing that army list again, um, and it's it's a complicated list to, to read out, but essentially the, the main elements are it's got six heroes, it's got Lurtz, Vrasku, Maher, uh, Gorolf, Frida and Sharku with shield on Warg and all of them have a few guys with them um, you know I got some Urukai warriors I got some Urukai marauder scouts I got some berserkers I've got some Dunlan warriors with shield Dunlan warriors with bow Urukai crossbowmen uh, orcs with shield orcs with shield and spear uh, Ender Crabane and three Warg riders um, and I think my, what did you say your list was? 36? 36, yeah. Mine is in around 33 or 34 because your list was bigger than mine. Yeah. 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 You went for the, uh, we used to call it um, the MSU or multiple small units. Yeah. Uh, that was what we called that kind of setup in 40K because you yeah. just take a whole bunch of smaller units just to overwhelm the opponent. Yeah. So it's, it's all about might, right? Like that list, mm-hmm. I think, has 17 might. 
and has a decent amount of shooting, some good shooting, and it has got mobility. It's got like a lot of mobility in it because you got, you know, Maher and his guys moving eight. You've got some warg riders and Sharku, and you've got one Crabane. Yeah, plus March on a couple guys too. So yes, and you have March as well. But uh, yeah, it was a it was uh, a little bit weird going into a tournament with one might. <laughs> yeah really eh? the, the good thing about it is though that you don't have to think about it very much no. like that's my kind of list honestly is whereas like these are your guys and like all of those crazy heroics yeah you don't even worry about it yeah it's like the is this gonna cause my guy to die <laughs> or live okay i'll spend the might yeah you kind of got one one opportunity to do something mm-hmm. special in the game you know um all right, so um, how about you tell us about who your first draw was? Uh, so the first game I played, uh, which was Breakthrough, mm-hmm. um, I think I've only ever played this game one other time. I don't even know if I've actually played it, to be honest with you. Right. But uh, I played against a guy named Sam. He's newer to the game. Um, he came with a bunch of people from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's saying that they mostly play the battle companies. Okay. But um, I think he was using some of his friends' models as well. He was just starting out with uh, a Harad Force. And uh, he had a Mumuk. Oh, he did? Oh, this was the Mumuk guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here we go. Let's get the King of the Dead in there and <laughs> and take this guy out. Um, it was basically cat and mouse with the Mumik for a long time. And, uh, I just played this scenario. I went for objectives. So breakthrough is which one? It's, is there four or five objectives on the table? It's four. Four. One in the middle of your deployment zone on your side of the table. Yeah. Uh, one opposite in theirs. And then two in the middle of the table, which is like, like on the, the center line. Land. Yeah. Yeah. And... Each objective is worth more victory points, uh, depending on which ones you have. Mm-hmm. So, like, your opponent's objective is worth more than if you hold your own. Yeah. Um, so, the further away it is from you, the worse, the more it's worth, essentially. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I did what I do with my army, and that's just go for the objectives with a bunch of terror-causing high-defense models. Yeah. And just hope I have more at the end and get those victory points. How was your model count compared to his model count? Um, I definitely outnumbered him. I think it was almost two to one. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a Mumek. Because the Mumek, so, yeah. Yeah. How did the um, Mumek do, anyway? It did good. I think it it accounted for a majority of the, the kills that I had against me. Yeah. Like, in one trample, it took out six guys. Oh, yeah, but then the next trample, it hit the first guy and didn't do anything, <laughs> which was, um, which was like the turning point in the battle. Yeah. For me, um, it actually allowed me to charge the Mumik with the um, King of the Dead the next turn. Um, I had to use my point of might to heroic move, and we did a roll off, and I think I won. Yeah. Um, he wasn't using anything fancy. He just had a normal Mumik. It wasn't like a legendary legion one. Yeah. Got in combat, failed to wound, and then the game ended. Oh, okay, so you didn't kill it. 
No, I didn't kill it. He didn't kill my leader. Yeah. Um, but I had more objectives. I think I won five to two there. Right on. So. Solid win. Yeah. Um, for me, I played, uh, I think, a fairly new guy. I think it was his first tournament. I know he said he's... Um, oh, I don't think we mentioned, too. The, the tournament was run by Adam from Blackfire Productions, YouTube channel. Um, he ran the tournament, and Steve, another guy there, Steve was there helping him and also provided some terrain in that. Uh and I played a guy, Kevin, and Kevin has actually played a game on Adam's channel, but I think he said he's only played a handful of games and that this was his first tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he had um, Rivendell. Yep. And he had two big hitters. He had, uh, he had Elrond and Gilgalad. And I think he had Haldir as well. Um, I played him my f fourth game. Yeah. So he did have the hero that shoots twice. Yeah, it's Haldir, yeah. Yeah. So then he had, um, you know, typical elf stuff. I don't think he had any mounted models. So he just had, yeah. a, you know, a bunch of elves with uh, spear and shield and some archers, basically, yep. right? So yeah, but like because he had the two big heroes, I really outnumbered him like by a fair amount. And so because I had a lot of mobility and more models, I kind of deployed in several different areas and pushed forward. So I immediately threatened the two objectives on, on the flanks. So he was never really able to advance on like the objective in my area. Oh, okay. And so I was putting pressure on the one on my right and the one on my left. And I had like three individual fast moving units heading towards the one in his backfield. Um, like I had a Marauder, a Warg Rider, and the Curbane all heading for it. Um, I figured, well, I'll send all three of them just in case somebody gets sniped. Um, in the end, we had a good, a good old fight. Uh, mostly around the two flanking objectives, which I think he held the one on my left, which was in a forest, and he had Gilgalad there. So it's like, yeah, he was he chopped up Maher and his guys and whatever else I sent over there. And I think I held mine. I captured the one on the my right, I think. And <clears throat> I had sent a bunch of guys right up the center, and some of them finally got through to the backfield objective and I ended up surrounding Haldir and I think I eventually killed him. I must have because I think I I think I claimed that objective. I forget now. Okay. Um, but I ended up winning the game six to nothing. So it was a good game. He was a really good guy. So it was yep. a good way to start the tournament. It was fun. Yeah, it was good to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, it was that uh, for sure. Um, I was going to say too that like I just finished watching I, f I forget now was it last weekend where they had the um, scouring of Chesh Cheshire um, in the UK it was like a it's a huge tournament that Steve has been running and it's it funny was, because it wasn't this past weekend it was it the was weekend a, before yeah. yeah and uh, I was sort of following it online and 
I think they had 120 people or close to 120 people and uh, just a massive tournament. And then I'm looking at our tournament and it's like 14 people. And I'm like, okay, so these are the like two extremes really. Like it's not even the biggest tournament in the UK, but it's like gigantic tournament really. Yeah. And then, and then this little tournament for us is like, we're kind of just getting back going after COVID. So it's bound to be small, but you know, when it comes right down to it, it's like, you only need like, 12 guys 14 guys to play in a a fun tournament so you know it was just it was funny the difference in size of these two events but yeah yeah we uh we just came out of all all the lockdown so we're like fully open now yeah for sure it's good another event coming up this weekend too so looking forward to that all right so who did you draw for round two um Round two was Fog of War. Yeah. And I played some grumpy old guy. <laughs> That's right. We played each other. We did. Yeah. And this is where I got the, my first look at your army. And, okay, so my army is good at a lot of things because it's 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 built to be a, like an all-comers kind of list. You can kind of handle any mission with it. But the one thing it's not good at, because essentially you're looking at, you know, Courage 3 people, is terror. Yep. And you outnumbered me. So it was like, oh my god, how is this going to work? Yeah, it's a very uncommon situation where yeah. a terror-causing army outnumbers the other people. Yeah, so the spamming of your uh, Warriors of the Dead was was awful for me. Because like I I deployed, I'm trying to remember the board. I think it was a board with essentially there were a lot of individual ruins on it. Yeah, it was like the big um and a, and a few stuff. small forests. Yeah, it's one of those um, fabricated um, block terrain pieces. Yeah. That like I think it's like some company makes mats and they also make like a terrain kit to go with it. Right. Right. So yeah, and that, it was uh, really nicely done up train. It was Steve's stuff, I know. I've seen it before. Yeah. And he has a lot of his buildings. Like, he's done some extra painting on them. And he's got, like, a lot of, like, vines and stuff creeping up the side. So, really nice looking stuff. Um, but for me, was, this was the one where you have to protect a guy. You have to go to kill a guy. You have to... Um, claim a train objective and you only had one hero in your army correct right so he had to be my target yep so it was easy for you to protect him and he well he had to be my protect yeah so it was double value for me to keep him hidden yeah which is what i did (laughs) yeah so it was going to be really hard for me to to get to him and you know, my my army doesn't have any shenanigans, really. Like, it doesn't have a monster to hurl or barge or any of that. And there's no magic. Um, the only flying is, like, a single crabane. So, you know, you know, I wasn't going to get to you. Like, I'm at one point, my warg riders were getting chased around by, by your cavalry. I remember that. And I essentially had to, like, almost run them off the table to get away. And to make you stop chasing me. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I was able to turn around and sort of come back in because you would have just killed them all, and you did kill a few of them. I, I think I killed a couple of the, the riders. Yeah. And then the wargs stuck around, which was frustrating. But Yeah. I'm trying to remember how this game went because I know on the right-hand side you were moving up and I just kind of figured that, that there was a building there and I figured that was your target. And so I kept a guy behind the building and I just had a few models sort of skirmishing with you there, shooting at you and whatever. Yeah. And later in the game the one orc that i had hiding behind the the building i climbed him up onto the roof of the building so that he would be on the building and contested if that was your objective and then and then you climbed your guys up onto the top of the building and we had a fight and i think you killed my guy uh no he survived he survived did that end up being your objective it was it was my train piece yeah it was right so you probably got partial points for that yeah i think it was one point because i had more people yeah um and i picked your who did i pick i think i picked maher because i figured he would be coming at me yeah and uh i just never managed to get any wounds on him yeah that was on the other other side my left Mm -hmm. flank and i brought Maher's guys all the way around and I ended up sort of concentrating sort of three groups of my forces in that one area to try to overwhelm you and we actually had a melee there Um, and my objective which there were sort of two terrain pieces there one forest and one ruin and I had guys beside both trying to keep you guessing as to which one it was and it was the ruin and I had a guy literally standing right beside it, ready to step onto it. And, you know, we were fighting and by and large, like we didn't have like a, a game long scrap because it was like I was being tentative because if if I had to just throw my stuff at you piecemeal, yeah. I would have just been killed because you outnumbered me and only half my stuff would have got in because of the terror. Yeah. Um, but we did have a fight and... I was just getting ready to put my guy onto the train piece and the TO called, okay, don't start another turn. If you, <laughs> if you haven't started one already, don't start another turn. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what, what, uh, clinched it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, we, we basically skirmished around the field a little bit and then there was a, we were just getting to start just in the starting stages of fighting on that uh, flank. Yeah. And then the time was called. Yeah, I felt like I think we did both lose a few a few models there, so like mm-hmm. we we did get into it a little bit, but it was it was the, like the first turn or two of of combat sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely that was the game to me that felt like it ended really quick. Um and it ended up you won it. Um uh, but it was was it 3 to 2? I think so. Yeah, it was by one point anyway. Yeah, because you kept your hero alive unwounded. I kept my hero alive unwounded. And I and I had a guy on my train piece. Yeah. That was I pretty f- much it. I forget what I got. Oh, yeah, I got the points for keeping my guy unwounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And by then we had had our lunch because they brought us our lunch, I believe, while we were playing. Yeah, we ate game. it while we were playing. Yeah. yeah. Which was kind of good. It's like, 
it's good because you you don't lose any time and you know you don't have people leaving the building so like normally when that happens you have stragglers coming back a little bit late or whatever yeah so in a sense it was good for that but it was also kind of like i kind of like the break so you can actually leave and you know go sit down and relax or whatever have 20 minutes half hour to yeah. clear your head and actually sit down at a table yeah so it was it, i, I kind of missed that um Especially because, you know, I mentioned earlier that, oh my God, my back was killing me by the end. But anyway, mm -hmm. yeah, anywho. So yeah, you were two wins and I was one win and one loss after two games. Yep. Right? Uh, okay, what about game three? Game three was retrieval. So Storm into your opponent's table side and grab their objective. Now, this is the one that's played on the diagonal. Yes. And your deployment zone is basically your triangle of your side. Yeah. Minus a three-inch line that runs down the middle of the table. Yeah. So, it was, it was uh, danger close. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could set up six inches away from your opponent, right? Yeah. Your three-inch no-man zone, their three-inch no-man zone. Um, I ended up playing Joseph. Okay. Uh, he had Rivendell. So he's with, a very experienced player, a competitive yeah. player from our community. Yep. Yeah, he's been around for a while. Um, but he was playing Rivendell and Lothlorien. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, uh, is it Seardan? Mm-hmm. Um. Kyrdan. Kyrdan. Yeah. Um, Frodo, like old, or no, sorry, old Bilbo. Old Bilbo, okay. Or no, I guess it was old Bilbo, um, with the ring, uh, a Rivendell captain on horse, and Haldir? Yeah. Pretty sure it was Haldir because he was shooting at me twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was uh, it was an interesting game. So I imagine he brought Haldir was his Lothlorien leader and probably because he brought the guard of the Galadrum court, I imagine. Yeah, yeah he had a bunch of those plus some, some normal elf warriors from that uh, that faction. I think that's where his archers came from. Yeah. He had a couple mounted um, cavalry models, and then a lot of stuff just on foot, like a mixture of stuff. I think he only had four guard of the Gladrum Court, which were um, were tough. Cause yeah, well, they're they're a popular shielded. they're a popular choice, just because they're fight six. They have a pike and they can shield. Yeah. Yeah. So, I basically rushed across the board in a big long line. And there was a big forest in the middle of the table, so I kind of went around it with my two big chunks of army. Mm -hmm. um, I kept four, five, I think it was around four guys, maybe five at the back at the at the start of the game. Mm -hmm. But I ended up moving some up just in case he got around me with his uh, cavalry. So or, this is another objective-based game, right? Like yeah. he has an objective sort of close to his corner and you have one in yours, but it's a movable thing. It's a light object and mm -hmm. you get points for moving it off of its starting position. 
you get more victory points if you move it back into your deployment zone and you get even more to victory points if you move it off one of your own board edges. Yeah, that's the most. I think you get seven for so, that. I think it's three, five, or seven. Yeah. So in our game, neither of us got to our objectives. Yeah. And it was literally just a big scrum in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, no battle lines, because, like, if you look, there's pictures that I posted of it, but um, it was hard to tell whose models were who, because... There was no battle line. It was just models mixed in amongst each other. We did initially hit with that battle line, but then it got all separated and he was moving guys back. Right, right. Kirdan's ability to negate uh, terror was very, very good for him. Yeah. And uh, So he wouldn't have had any trouble with charging you, I guess. No, and his Rivendell Knight uh, captain just... He did the most. I think he did a majority of the kills against me. Mm-hmm. He, he killed... I think he might have broke me, but I can't remember. But it came down to... He killed my leader. And... Maybe broke me, and that was it. And I might have broken him. So I, I wrote down it was something like either... 3 to 2 or 5 to nothing. I can't remember. Yeah, whatever. So, it was a, a narrow a narrow win. Yeah, I can't remember if I wounded his, his hero, but his hero on the horse just basically rode through my guys because Kyrdan was also casting um, some blades spell, which gives him reroll to wound. Right. And he's charging me with the lance, rerolling to wound, and yeah. Nice. We we it was a it was a tough fight. Like we we killed a lot of each other, but. Uh, mm-hmm. In the end, he just squeaked out the win. Very good. Which was unfortunate for me because I was on two wins and I did lose, but it wasn't by a lot of points. So, so was he then on three wins or? Uh, no, he tied the game before. So he had two wins and tie. Yeah, which was, um, I think there was a few people that had to tie the, the second game. Right, right. Because it's a very easy game to tie. Yeah, Fog of War. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, in retrieval, I played coming off of playing your army of the dead. Yeah. I came over to my table and my opponent was there and he was playing return of the king. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) not more dead of Dunero. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So really nice, uh, young guy named Tristan. Um, also new to the game. He was, the guy you played with the Mumek, I think he was one of his buddies because he mentioned, okay. you know, playing battle companies a lot and so on. So uh, had some really good conversation with him, Tristan. Um, but essentially, when we deployed, he deployed his entire army like right up front, aggressive. Didn't keep anything back to protect his objective. He mm. was just going to come right for my objective. So... You know, I have like essentially six small warbands to deploy. So I had like, I think, you know, three of them or four of them protecting my objective and sort of one on either flank sort of thing. And basically the way the game went was he moved his entire army forward and never got to my objective. Um, I was shooting at Aragorn the entire time with my crossbows 
and bows just trying to put a wound on him oh, okay. uh, to get a VP. And uh, I hit him like several times and just never could put a wound on him. It was crazy. Um, but he moved up a- into my line, which I eventually had there to receive him. And we fought and, you know, eventually the game ended and he didn't get to my objective. Um, in the backfield, he had left Legolas kind of a little bit further back. So there was a lot of cat cat and mouse going on with me um, bringing stuff close to try to get within charge range of, of Legolas. And then he would scoot him a little bit closer to his battle line kind of thing. Uh, and eventually I brought a bunch of stuff in and I charged him. Um, charged him with a whole bunch of stuff, including Sharku and tried to just kill him all in one go and he rolled a six and won the won the duel fought me off charged him again the next turn i think he fought me off again i can't remember um but the game ended around that time but by then i had gotten to the uh, objective with one of my crabane uh and just flew it I knew the game wasn't going to last long enough to get it to like off the table because these games were ending really fast. By now I had sort of realized they were all ending on time. And so I sort of prioritized just getting it back to my half of the table and sort of I, I made my move and got, got the objective just onto my half of the table. And then that ended up being the last turn of the game and it ended there. Um, so I've forgotten now what the victory points were, but essentially it was another sort of, you know, I don't know what it was, like six, five or six for me. And, you know, I think he got, he managed to get a victory point for something. I forget what, but. Okay. Yeah, but it was, it was another win for me. So I was back in the win column with two wins and a loss. Yeah, so we were on the same record going into the last game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we'd already played each other. Yeah. Goodness. All right. So we are going into game four, the final game of the day. And who did you get drawn up against? Um. Well, like I said earlier, I was playing uh, Kevin, the guy you played in the first game. Oh, right. Um, the mission we played was command the battlefield. Right. And this is the first time I'd ever played this mission. Yeah, I think it was the first time I've ever played it at a tournament as well. Well, I think the the book that we got came out like the Christmas before, like it was late 2019. Yeah. And we hadn't really had a lot of time to take take advantage of it because like 3 months later we were all locked down yeah. sitting at home, right? Yeah, like I think we only had two tournaments with that new book. Yeah. With so the new missions. So how does this mission work? What were the I remember in the center of the table, it was it was control the quarters of the board, the four yeah. quarters, but the twelve inch diameter in the center of the table, like none of the models in there would contribute to that control. Yeah, I think it's actually a twelve inch radius. Right. Which would it it basically ate up the middle of the field yeah yeah it's models wholly within 12 inches of the center of the battlefield don't count and And it it was was also it was maelstrom deployment as well 
Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was interesting game to play. Um, I had two. No, I had an extra warband over um, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his roles, I got to pick where they came on. So I basically picked the far side of the board for both of them in opposite corners because I, I did not want to fight against um, Gil-Galad and Alron together. Mm-hmm. It would not have been good. Um, and basically, I had the two table quarters on my side of the board pretty much uncontested. Yeah. And I just rushed my guys across. Like, actually, my left flank, he had all his archers set up there, so I just ran across the table at him with Gilgalad mm-hmm. and Haldir. And then he sent some guys up to fight me, and I killed them. And basically, it came down to Gilgalad was just mopping the floor with uh, with my guys. Because he's like strength four, so he kills my guys on sixes, but then plus one because of the spear. Yeah. So it's wounding my guys on fives, which is not very common for me anyway. Like, it, it was it was tough. Um, so that side I was a little worried about, um, but the other side I had a big blob of two um, warbands, including the king, fighting against Alron's warband, mm-hmm. and I I brought them on like right next to his warband and basically we fought in that corner for the whole fight and I basically just picked away at his guys slowly while throwing a couple of guys at Elrond to hold him up yeah, long yeah. enough and so it I sounds think. like essentially you left some guys back in your two quadrants and marched your mm-hmm. army across the table into his two quadrants and yeah. Or two other quadrants and we're fighting there. Yeah. And I I didn't do anything to Gilgalad and I think in the end Alrond lived with one wound. But it came down to whoever won that fight would have killed the leader, so Or maybe I didn't even get to attack him. Anyway, I can't I can't remember how it ended. I just yeah. know I, I ended up winning the game. Um because I had my two corners and I had more guys in his two table quarters. Right. So, so it um, sounds like you won, you won that one based on your numbers, really. Yeah. Actually, I ended up breaking him and uh, he, he had a couple guys run away because of it. Yeah, yeah. So, because you tie up the heroes and then... But that was a... That was in a uh, game where he had six, he had nine might to my one. Mm-hmm. So he was able to just do his thing. Plus he had the um, Elrond, um, what are those special dice that he gets? Oh, the, uh, I want to say fortitude, but it's not. It starts with an F. Foresight. Foresight, yeah. Yeah, and he rolled he rolled five, so he had five uh, five of the dice. Yeah. So anytime I won, he was like, "Okay, well, I'll spend two. Or he was able to control the flow of the battle, I guess you could say. Yeah. But uh, in the end, I ended up pulling out a win, so I was on three wins and a loss. Very good. Um, what do you have the book in front of you? I do. What are the victory points again for for this one? Um, Because I can't remember my game. Um, 
my last game what the victory points were for. So you get a victory point for each table quarter mm -hmm. uh, that has more friendly than enemy. Okay. And you get two if you have at least double the number of models. Okay. Okay. You get one for wounding the enemy leader, two for killing, and then one for breaking the enemy force, and two if they're broken and you're not. Okay. So. Yeah, okay. So I'm just trying to remember now if in my last game... Uh, well, let me just say first, I, I played a young guy named Josh... Um, really good guy. I think he said it was his first tournament. I know he told me that he was playing Kazadum, so an army I know very well. Um, and he was telling me he painted almost the entire army within the two weeks before the tournament or something like that. And it was a really nice army. Um, but the game started out crazy. So he had three warbands and all of them came on at the beginning two of them sort of right beside each other and one just kind of kitty corner on one of the other table edges but close um out of my six groups two of them i rolled a one uh, so two of them didn't come on and two of them started like right in front of his army so like i brought I had two units like side by side and they're small like my units are all small and he started like two of his big units and I forget what he had I think he had Durin and the king's champion you know or something like that like he had this <laughs> huge mob of dwarves yeah. with two nasty heroes like sort of staring down two of my two of my warbands and um I ended up calling heroic marches or heroic moves sorry for like the first three turns in a row um just trying to stay ahead of them and not get charged and in order to to do that i had to win um all of them i remember the very first turn i called a heroic move and he didn't contest it and i'm like oh thank goodness so i was able to move six and he moved five so by then i was like two inches away from him kind of thing mm -hmm. and then the next turn i called a, a heroic move again because uh, he won priority and he countered it and i won the roll off and so i stayed ahead of him again and i like i kept moving back because i thought well if i keep moving back there was a choke point right in the center of the table between two pieces of terrain. And I thought, I'll get to the choke point and I'll stop there. And if he comes at me with his whole army, it'll be in the sort of null zone in the, the center of the table. And so he did follow me. I did stop there. We did fight there. But he peeled a large section of his army off and sort of went around one of those two pieces of terrain um sort of to connect with another part of my army that was coming in across the table and fortunately for me in this game like having all my mobility units in this game was made it so that even though like i was running felt like i was running low on units here um i was able to 
get units in every quarter of the board and like in a couple of cases i like i had a couple of units like running along the center line of two quarters like sort of trying to decide which one they were going to yeah. end up going into and um it was a good fight it was a really good fight it was a, like a big melee fight in the center of the table um and essentially it was me trying to run units around the table to con to contest quarters or claim quarters and i don't think either of us got broken and i don't think either of our leaders got wounded um and it ended up coming down to just table quarters and i ended up taking it and again i forget the exact score but it was you know like it was low it was a low scoring win so it was like you know five to three or something like that i don't know what the numbers were but um i did get another win there and it was a really fun game uh and yeah it was that was the last game for me and went out on a win good yeah so that was good so we both um, had the same record <laughs> yeah so we both had three wins and one loss i lost to you yeah uh and you lost to joseph yes yeah and the last game on the top table was it was joseph i believe um joseph played ben didn't he no it was um joseph versus somebody else okay and then ben versus um one of the newer people all right but anyway but, uh, so um i do know that ben finished in first place i forget the ma the guy that came in second place um and third place was actually ended up being a tie between you and myself yes um same number of tournament points turns out that we also had the same number of victory points which they were using as the tiebreaker and then i got bumped down to fourth because we did play each other and you won yep yeah so you came in third i came in fourth and one thing i was really shocked at was the prize table for the tournament was like tons of prizes yeah it was uh it was stacked yeah it like it stacked. felt it, like it felt like a lot of people were going up and selecting like really nice like it was all models and stuff there were no trophies or anything like that no it was all like a variety of different models and kits and and whatnot so what did you end up grabbing um i grabbed a box of warriors of dale oh did you yeah oh that's awesome see that's like a great prize for finishing third mm -hmm. yeah that's excellent yeah so when i went up um there there wasn't a, as much left but um, I grabbed, there was a bundle of one of those small boxes, and ironically, after playing two Army of the Dead armies out of four <laughs> games, uh, it was the King of the Dead and Heralds box, yep. which I don't own, and then there was a blister of a metal banner bearer, yep. and um, the young guy I played, Tristan, he was playing that army, and like I think he was saying, like all he had was the the Pelinor Fields uh, box set, and you know he's like trying to get some extra models. So 
Um, I don't think I really have any plans of doing that army. So I just gave him the, uh, the blister with the banner in it yep. and, uh, said, you can just take it. It's, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to use it. So I know you'll be able to use it. So, so he was appreciative of that. So, uh, hopefully he can get that painted up for the next tournament. Yeah. Um, we did have, um, other awards. I think like, uh, there was like the, uh, presentation award for your army, like best presentation. Right. And, uh, our traveling companion, Chris ended up winning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They had was now, was that best painted or best army or uh, I think it was best painted. Yeah. Cause you had to take into account everything like paint and board and conversions and. Right. So what did he, what army did he have again? Uh, I believe it was the army of Lake town. Right. Okay. Cause he had the, he, I know he had the master and Alfred and a couple of the dwarves. Uh, yeah, he had, um, and Bard, I Thorn imagine. and Dwalin with, uh, um, Bilbo as well. I don't think he had Bard. Oh, he didn't have Bard? No, I don't think so. Okay. He, he might've, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he had. I know he had a lot of heroes and not as many Lake Town warriors. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I like he was kind of he was a bit shocked coming out of it because I know he's always done pretty well with that army and he did he did poorly. Yeah. He did he not. He chose poorly. He chose poorly. <laughs> no, he. What uh, was he at? Four losses. I think he had four yeah. losses. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 said it was his worst showing yeah he was in contention for the wooden spoon but he didn't quite get there he wasn't bad enough to finish in last place so he even failed at that yeah yeah oh chris i don't know <laughs> buddy we give him a hard time <laughs> yeah it was good yeah no but he's he's good he's not he's not you know super competitive guy anyways but i mean like anyone wants to win a game you know want to mm -hmm. win at least one game yeah you know, yeah, we so, expect more from you, Chris. Come on, win a yeah, game. Yeah, you gotta, you? you gotta pick it up. You're, you're, we're in third and fourth, and you're all the way at the bottom. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, lucky thirteenth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what were your overall like opinions on this tournament after like two years almost? Well, okay, two years less. We did play one tournament in two years. Yep. Well, uh, the location was great because it was like an hour away. Yeah. I agree. Uh, the venue was good. Um, the terrain was amazing uh, because it was all supplied by Adam and uh, Steve. Yep. I think most of it was anyway. Um, yeah, a couple of us brought a couple tables, and because people had canceled, we did like I didn't need to even bring mine in from the car. So. Didn't need it. Yeah. So uh, like the food was good that we had it there. Yeah. Um, like we said, it'd be nice to have that break, but. It was good to get the day done and over with. Um, I liked it. The missions were, they like randomly chose them, so it was good. But uh, yeah, it's just a little weird playing our 45-minute games. Yeah, that, that would be my my one strike against it. And I know they were, we were on a time crunch because of the venue. Um, but yeah, and they, that that was the reason for the 40 model cap was yeah. was to make sure that you know, people didn't bring hordes really so that you didn't go way over on time. But the hour and 45 just felt a little tight. 
Like yeah. I know they had a few five or ten minute break in between each game for you know getting to your next what table or whatnot. Um, if anything, yeah, it would be try to stretch out the game length mm-hmm. a little bit. Like the prizing was amazing. Oh, it too. was it was it was a shock to me honestly. Yeah, that it, it was, was beyond it was what good. I thought we'd get. How did you find that your army did? Did it live up to your expectations? It did exactly what I thought it was going to do. Yeah. It survived until the game ended. Yeah. It was so uh, there were no like no huge crushing victories. No, like I never gave 12 points away. Yeah. It was all very close like within 2 or 3 points. Yeah. Um well the for the game against Joseph it was very close. But even my wins were close. They were within two or three points. So it's not like a, it's not a blowout army. Like you're not going to no. get twelve zero, uh, but you're also not going to give twelve away. It's like playing an army of dwarves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the way they work as well. How did you find your riders? How many riders did you have again? Uh, normally I take five, but yeah. with it being seven hundred points, I dropped one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. Yeah. Most of the time I just throw one away. Like it's a throwaway rider. Yeah. Just to try and draw some people to it. But um in the game against Joseph I kept them back to counter his calves, so mm-hmm. I, I like them. I definitely will take them in every army because they're cavalry with yeah. defense six horses, so Did you find that you were like really rusty, like with the rules and stuff or Um there was a few things that I, I needed yeah. to look up. Yeah, I, I was definitely really, like, well, I'm always pretty terrible with the rules. Like, my memory is terrible. So, um, you know, I just, like, what's the rule for this? What's the rule for that? I don't know. Let's just decide what we want to do and roll dice, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, I think 15 but like, minutes, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say 15 minutes of our my first game was reading up rules on the Mumuk. Yeah, that's why I hate playing the Mumuk <laughs> yeah. because of its like two pages of rules. I was like, get away from me with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I found that I was I was feeling rusty with my army just because because you have seventeen might. There's like so many crazy things that you can do mm-hmm. um, with heroics, but you have to remember those things. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, like for me, is one might and yeah, I I have two heroics that I can call march or strike, <laughs> uh, like over and above the basic ones, right? Yeah, so, ooh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you had one might, I had seventeen might. Isn't that nuts? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, and like right at the end as well, I forgot that um, I I had brought uh, I have a three D printer and just constantly churning out junk basically um you know um so i i threw some pieces of uh scatter terrain in my my case that i bring and uh, just small small things and i just figured out i'd just offer to give one of them to each of my opponent and i forgot i'd forgotten to do it so i went around to all (laughs) four of my opponents at the end not you though because you already have tons of junk yeah um and i uh let them take their pick of one of these things. And they're just like the barricades, like crates and barrels and that kind of stuff. So gave that stuff away. Cause it's, it's one of the things I like to do stuff like that because it, you know, especially people that are newer to the game, cause it like maybe like think about 
getting terrain, painting terrain, putting together a table of terrain, bringing terrain to a tournament, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It can be tough. Like, yeah, I've got a box full of stuff that I got to paint over to my right here, so. Oh, that's all the uh, stuff that I printed off for you? Mm-hmm. For, um... Stargrave. That's what it was. I Stargrave, forgot yeah. the name of that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at my little painting boxes in front of me and I've got this, um, what do you call these guys? Gene Steeler hybrid sort of gunslinger guy. Yep. He's ready for my Stargrave team. Nice. Yeah. It's the first non MESBG figure I've painted for a long time. First 40 K era sort of figure I've painted. It was yeah. really fun. Yeah. Painting that guy. Um, yeah, so that's it for that tournament. It was really good to get back. I really like that venue. And actually, I will be going there again this coming weekend to play in a Battle Companies tournament that is happening there. So I'm really looking forward to that because I just love Battle Companies. Um, right now, I am planning on taking my Isengard. They are actually ready to go, but I'm still really tempted to take the uh the dwarves yeah yeah what is it the moria expedition or whatever yeah. i always forget the name of them that's a nice one yeah, yeah so I, I i should be able to go myself yeah. uh i'm planning i paid for my ticket uh i'm probably just going to take the dead of dunharo uh-huh. because i like them yeah uh, and they're really the only thing i have models painted for that I don't need to buy like a random one-off model. Well, we were talking thing. about it and just because of the way they're doing the tournament, they're giving away a, a slightly increased number of IPCs per game, mm-hmm. win or win or lose. Um, and it's enough that you could guarantee to roll for reinforcements after every game if you yep. want. And with that army, it's really good to do that because mm-hmm. that's the one thing. You, you don't get a lot of models, but... You can get a reinforcement like every turn, and essentially it's a fifteen-point model. So it's yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, they they start out with a small model count of only four, but yeah, yeah, I could basically get a new one every every game. Yeah, and maybe get a rider if I roll lucky. Yeah, so for me, I'm trying to finish off a terrain piece. I I built one. I built my twelve-inch diameter camp for one of the scenarios, and then I'm trying to finish off my dwarven gate for defend the gate. Oh. And uh, here I am recording this with you, and that's one more night gone. So <laughs> I will now have like what three three nights left or something like that in order to finish that terrain piece off. So pressure's. I on. will. I will have none of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm bringing three tables to that to that but they're only going to be three by three so slightly less stuff to bring yeah it'll be fun we we both like battle companies we did that whole like uh we we did the blazing madness campaign that spanned two versions of the rules yeah yeah you can check that out on the osbgl youtube channel garrett and i played uh um oh i'm trying to remember the name of there's the campaign of uh the was it the evil campaign we ran it as the was it the blue mountains or something no that's the new one oh well anyway we ran one of the ones it was a white dwarf one i think yeah 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 and uh we ran isengard through it It there's like 16 games or something crazy yeah it was pretty interesting to see the outcome at the end yeah that was in the old rules 
before and they were just like crazy crazy powerful by yeah. the end of the game or the end of the campaign anyway well i guess that's it for uh for this little segment so thanks for joining me garrett appreciate it well thanks for having me yeah and we will or i will anyways continue on with the next section back with andrew All right, we're here for All That Is Gold Does Not Glitter, and we have had quite a few emails and messages, etc. Um, we're not going to be able to go through them all, but we will get to them in time. But we have had quite a bit of love recently from Finland, mm. and by quite a bit, I mean two messages. Oh, that's um, big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so the first one is from... Uh, well, actually, it was received second, but the first one I'll read is is from David, and he says, My name is David, and I'm originally from Tacoma, Washington, but now live in Finland and have become part of the MSB, MESBG community here for the last few years. I just wanted to send an email to give you a few thoughts of mine. I have listened to the podcast uh, from almost the beginning. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. It's easily my second favorite MESBG podcast after only the Green Dragon. Wow, Andrew, oh, that's pretty impressive. That's high, that's high praise. I'm, I'm very happy being number two to the Green Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and perhaps only because that podcast already has a long history and reputation. Mm. Uh, it was what I listened to in the dark days around the Hobbit era when very few people were interested in the hobby in my area. And we did too, right? We were, that's when we were listening to the green dragon i still listen to all of their stuff but yeah, yeah back in those days it was really good to have something like that to listen to i still re i still remember my first uh time listening to the green dragon and it was like i didn't know what the heck you guys were talking about because i was never yeah. into the, the, the mm -hmm. podcast or the streaming stuff initially and then i remember we were going to ben's tournament um way out in his hometown and i remember sitting there in the, the hotel we rented and you, Garrett, pulled out his iPad and you turned on an episode of The yeah. Green Dragon. And I was like, what is this? And I'm like, it's The Green Dragon. How do you not know this? Yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. Okay, he's got quite a bit more here. So let me continue. Okay. I love the addition of the TBD Chronicles. Nice. Mm. And all the content you produce is really wonderful. TBD Chronicles is Oathbound now. We did come up with a name for that. Mm. Um, I love, or where am I now? Hold on, it's still TBD Chronicles. It's just this segment's called Oathbound, right? Because we may have other, you know, narrative. Good point. Right? Good point. Yeah, actually, could have a completely different story, and it's no longer Oathbound. That's right. Else. You know, then we could write the next segment, and they could just die. Yeah. You know, so okay, guess we're moving on to someone else. <laughs> okay, let me go on with David's thing. Uh, I've thought of many questions to ask you guys about, but the main thing that I would want to hear your opinions on is about tournament and league creation oh very interesting mm. you have mentioned this fun event you run where each table has another element to it that must be played with mumak hobbit holes etc as well as specific scenarios for them would you consider doing an episode for that tell us how you would create this kind of event okay so we're going to come back to that so put that one uh what do they say put it in the parking lot or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> park Let's that. Let's park yeah. that for the time. Yeah, being. Park, park that thought. We'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd also love to hear how you might create slash run a league. 
Finland has a decent size MESBG community, but I live a couple of hours from the capital, so I don't get to play as often with the greater community. I know how you feel, David. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to create a Finnish league to better connect to people across the country and to keep tabs on how others are doing in the game. Mm. Uh, so there's another one that we got to park and come back to. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it would be nice to hear more uh, hear more from you guys, whatever the topic. Thanks for everything. And then he's got a PS. Mm. Uh, I'm finishing this email to send after it was sitting in my drafts for a few weeks. Oh, my oh, God, okay. David, come on. Um, <laughs> I'm on my way home from uh, the, and now i got to pronounce this, Talvisota event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the biggest tournaments each year. A friend of mine mentioned that he also sent you an email, which we will read shortly, uh, maybe regarding the tournament question. Well, this guy just won the event tonight. I wonder, do you do shout-outs? Yes, of course we do shout-outs. I thought it might be fun if you could give a shout-out to Rain and tell him congratulations and how he did a great job tonight. But that just means we are all coming after him next time. That's right. Like, we have hashtag don't let Andrew win. Yeah. You remember that, Andrew, when you used to play the game? Oh, yeah, I remember that. So congratulations, Rain. You just put a bullseye on your back. Uh, Enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) And trust me, when they come up with a hashtag that says don't let Rain win, you know you've made it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but you got to win more than once to get a hashtag. That's right. Yeah, but anyway, he mentioned Rain, and Rain had previously sent us a question, and we have had it sitting here in limbo for a while because we didn't quite know what to do with it. Uh, So I'll just read that because it's in line with what David has been asking about. Hey, Don and Andrew, as Canadian Shire uh, has many awesome custom scenarios designed by you guys, and as a Finnish SBG player, it's hard for me to come and experience them myself. Why? Come to Canada. You know, we have the same climate as you. Except for the um, cost might be I'd a like little bit f- prohibitive. <laughs> I'd like to have a few of them in my own tournaments in the future. For example, how do you handle neutral models in your scenarios? Let's say there was a watcher in the water, prowling in the water feature. How do you make it relevant for, for a scenario, but not something that completely ruins the match for one or both players? Love the podcast. Keep them coming. Best regards, Rain. So thank you very much for that question. Another question about Canadian Shire Mm. and about how to design custom scenarios. So I think at this point, uh, Andrew, we really are going to have to do an episode on on that topic. What do you think? I think so. I think it, it warrants an episode versus sort of like a question being answered and all that is gold is not yeah. good. And, and this would take a long time to answer. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of uh, of that part of the question from both David and Rain, I think we'll, we'll, we will park that, as I had said, and we'll, yes. we will come back to that with a, a do, give it its due coverage with a, um, with a proper, uh, you know, subject. Mm-hmm. So uh, which, what were the, what, what were the other things he asked here? So what question do you want to ask? What question do you want to answer? I should say. Okay, hold on. I actually have to find it now. Okay, so one of the questions he asked was he he would like to hear how we might create or run a league because they have a good, you know, size community over there, but I Mm -hmm. guess they don't have a league. Mm -hmm. Um, He'd like to create a league to better connect people across the country and so that, you know, he can track 
everybody could track how everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we did that here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've had a league running here since 2015. Oh my God, it's been that old. I know, oh, yeah. it's crazy. Eh? Uh, well, the last two years have basically been <laughs> right know, off yeah. a, no, a no show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've had five seasons That's of right. our league. Um, and you know what? It was created by um, three people. Mm -hmm. And basically, it took those three people just inserting a ton of, of energy mm -hmm. into getting it going. And those three people were Jordan, mm -hmm. uh, Evan, mm -hmm. and myself. And yeah, it was... You know, and honestly, it was it was Evan. So it was one guy in our first year of the league, um, and I don't know how many tournaments we had. Let's say we had ten tournaments. He was a machine, I, though. Yeah, and I think that one guy, Evan, he ran like six tournaments. Yeah. And these are not these are not big tournaments. You know, these are some of these were smaller tournaments of you know ten or twelve people, and like maybe we had a few tournaments of twenty, um, but like kind of like a Herculean effort by one guy. And then, you know, I think I ran two and a couple of other people ran, you know, single events. And mm -hmm. we ended up having um, roughly, let's say, 10, 10 tournaments in a year. Um, but I think you, you, you sort of have to just start and figure out what your, your, uh, your format is, really. That's, that's the main thing, the hardest mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? We copied the GBHL uh, in terms of their format, in terms of their scoring. Um, it was the easiest thing for us to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've tried different scoring mechanisms. I know yeah. I've, I've had conversations with people over the years about how, how um, quantity scoring is better than quality scoring. But the reality is it's not mm -hmm. um, because we've, we've done it all. And I mean, and I'll speak from the numbers perspective because I'm a numbers guy. Um, we initially went with a because uh, I came on in the admin not too long after the three of you, probably a year maybe after the three of you guys were on, and I dealt primarily with the scoring. And so what we said is we're going to do it based on number of wins you get, just like a game win, uh, yeah. not an actual tournament win. And we found that people struggled to um, to you know, to play games, to get to these events, because the moment you realized, and it didn't take long to realize this, that you just couldn't get to enough tournaments to play enough games, people just stopped trying. And so all of a sudden the league yeah. lost relevance to people. And so probably halfway through the league, you had two or three clear people who were vying for the, vying for the top. And everyone else had no chance, no matter. Yeah, because it was it was all about quantity over you know over anything else. It was just get the number of games in, and you know the number of wins would follow. And yeah. you know if you were in a geographically more of a central position, you you were at a huge advantage because you could just attend more events. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we didn't have anything like 80 or 100 point events. So we didn't have like fun events versus competitive events. It was just wins. And that kind of soured the events because sometimes people just want to play an event and just have fun with it, right? Whereas yeah. others, like other events, you go in there with the mindset of I'm coming to compete. And so I think that was sort of like a big challenge with our first iteration because while we wanted to copy the GBHL, we didn't want to completely copy them. Mm -hmm. And so then we said, you know what, in actuality, they've been doing this a lot longer than we have. Let's switch over to what they do, which is a best of four sort of scoring. 
And there's a formula that you can pull from any GBHL handbook. You can also pull it from the OSBGL handbook. Um, it's a very simple formula that you can put into Excel um, that pretty much calculates points for individuals based upon their placement and scoring. Yeah. And it utilizes um, a two-tier scoring system where you've got the 80-point events, which are either the fun events. Um, these are the events which are really customized, like the Canadian Shire is an 80-point event for us. And then you've got doubles falls there, battle companies falls into the 80-point events. And then you have the 100-point events. And the 100-point events, we don't customize. This is as true to the game as possible because it's about being competitive, right? Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, look, your goal is to um, get the highest accumulated points of your best four scores. And the max you can get is 400, right? Because four 100-point events um, gets you 400 points. And so we came up with this approach and we said, <clears throat> sorry, we came up with this approach and it worked beautifully because those who couldn't make it to an event or two weren't penalized um, from having a chance at the top. And what ended up occurring is that you probably had four or five people like Ving for the top position right up until like the last one or two tournaments. And then it sort of broke down to like maybe one or two left. And so yeah. if anything I can tell you, go with the, the best of four system. It works really fantastically for those who just can't commit themselves to the entire uh, season. But to those who can, they get the advantage of being able to play more games and more chances at getting good scores. Of course, the best of, of four does assume that you're going to have a tournament that, let's say, is is based on a year schedule. And, you know, for us, we, we generally run about a tournament a month. So you're going to have, say, 12 tournaments. So it's best of best of 12, essentially. Um, but, I mean, if you, you could also say, well, there's no way we would never be able to run that many. So, you know, if you can only run six tournaments in a year, because that's just what you're limited to, mm -hmm. well, then maybe you don't need to do best of four. Maybe you can just do, well, best of all the tournaments that we do, which is six. Um, or, or best of two, right? Yeah, but certainly the best of four for us has has really solved a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, one of the things I would mention too is, and it's kind of, I think in all of the games that I've played, um, this factor is, is far more evident in MESBG than any of the other systems I've played. Mm -hmm. And that is that a lot of people come to tournaments um, you come to tournaments like i go to play in tournaments because that's where the games are yeah you know if there was games happening all over the place and they weren't tournaments i would probably go to those too but mm -hmm. all of the games they're happening at tournaments yeah but a lot of people don't go to play competitively like i don't really go to play competitively it's mm -hmm. not really my thing i like to go i like to be social i like to play the game i like to have fun you know so there's a lot of people like that that are into it and they're not really into the competitive thing so you don't want to stifle um those people and what they want to do you don't want to stifle tos and say you must run your tournament according to these guidelines you mm -hmm. do want to have some freedom there that's where we like we call our 80 point tournaments hobby events mm -hmm. and so there's like a lot more leeway there on you know what's acceptable because you know the reality is you're not going to win the league with 80 point tournament wins no, it's not just not going to happen no. like you could win four 80 point tournament tournaments mm -hmm. and 
not come close to winning the league because you know to win the league you have to do well on the 100 point events oh, yeah, you know you could you could have like two or three good results in 100 point events and like one you know good result in an 80 point win or event and mm-hmm. and win the league i guess that would be possible but yeah. um yeah so anyway back to the um sort of the people that are in it for the hobby side or the fun side mm-hmm. um like originally we we did have sort of a in the first two years when we were just doing the number of victories and stuff mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the people that were into it for those reasons that they just wanted to have fun or you know do painting you know they were kind of like you know we need more this there's yeah. nothing here for us right yeah, yeah um so now we've also started tracking um things other than tournament points mm-hmm. so like we we are also tracking like hobby things now as yeah. well so um like i think believe we have uh, it's been so long god two years since since we've talked about all this stuff mm-hmm. so like we have an award like a year-end award that's like for a craftsman for example mm-hmm. so and and that could be for uh building um display boards or i, I think painting is part of that as well yep, yep. Uh, and then we have like a sportsmanship award so like if your tournament has a sportsmanship award um so there's other things to track besides just you know tournament points and wins and losses mm-hmm. there's something in there for for the hobbyists as well yeah. which are like for the whole season it's just not mm-hmm. a single win at a tournament like oh look i won best painted or i won best display board at this one event mm-hmm. so like we're now tracking those things across the entire season as well yeah i, I agree um with the inclusion of that as well as sort of <clears throat> With the inclusion of that, as well as um, sort of asking the TOs, but politely, just to say, hey, can you have additional pricing? Because we, we want to do this. We want to we want to create these additional sort of year-end awards, but we want you to be able to give out um, a best hobbyist or a best sportsmanship award. And it even doesn't, doesn't even need to be have a monetary value assigned to it. We just yeah. want there to be an opportunity for people to be nominated for uh, best hobbyist, which almost always is um, people driven, player driven. So it's always you know voting for the best army that you love for whatever your reasons are, and then the best uh, sport can just be um, you know handing out sheets for people to fill out to say, hey, like these are my four opponents. If you're playing a one player uh, one day tournament, and how do I want to rank them? And then those, indiv- then you know, the TO sort of accumulates the scoring, and then determines who the, who's the best sport. And then by doing that, and by getting those TOs to sort of collect that information and to present those awards, whatever they may be, um, you will be able to sort of say at the end of it, okay, I had nine tournaments that did this. That's a really good sort of um, basis point to be able to pull scores from. And instead of I know for the hobbyist and for the sportsmanship, we don't do um, we don't do a ranking in in an event. It's just I think it's mostly down to who won the most hobbyist awards or who won the most best sportsmanship awards throughout the league, um, and that's kind of what drives the year end sort of uh, figure. Yeah, and I'm curious to see. You know, I think we only did that for one year before COVID. Yeah. Um, so this is, and like our current season is a really sort of muddled up thing of, yeah. like a, f- a few tournaments from like what was it, for, like I think a few tournaments from 2020, and then I think we had like 
a couple of tournaments in 2021 and then now we've started again so there'll be probably half a dozen tournaments from 2022 so it's really been all chopped up and and mm-hmm. whatnot so we're, we're trying to get sort of the wheels back on the track right now so it's a little bit uh a little bit confused but yeah exactly but yeah. i will say this one last thing um if you're going to do this, it is not a single person task. You will get no. <laughs> easily overwhelmed and it is very much um, a community driven thing. And I mean, for us, we have five people on our admin. We'll call it admin. Mm-hmm. I'm an admin as well. Don's an admin. Uh, and having five people on there really helps sort of de- de- delegate responsibilities um, or at least establish clear roles and responsibilities for each person. Um, but also allows you, you're these initial five people to sort of act as the original TOs, to sort of get people inspired to become one. Because sometimes when you're trying to like get someone to be a tournament organizer, it's super hard. And it, especially because one of the biggest challenges a TO, or TO will run into is not the venue, it's the tables and filling them with terrain. Yeah. Okay. And so to ask a TO especially a new one, hey, do you have 12 tables full of terrain? The answer they're always gonna say is no, maybe one, maybe two, but there's no way they have 12. And so um, sort of using that original sort of like group of individuals, the admin, if you would, um, all sort of like bandying together tables, cobbling together tables of terrain sort of collectively, Mm -hmm. when you go to an event, it's like kind of five of you bringing all your tables. And I mean, tables and tables worth of terrain. And I'll say this, um, one, it eases up on burnout because you know I know Evan did eight tournaments or six tournaments in one year, which was insane. And I know that Taylor, the, the current one, the current admin, does at least two or three tournaments at, at minimum uh, in, in a given league year. Uh, and he isn't sort of, and he's happy to sort of fill the gaps. But again, yeah. it's a lot of work to sort of pull that off. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, there are certain people that really love to run tournaments and, mm. you know, they would run every tournament if you would let them. But it's kind of like, you know, hey, buddy, why don't you let, let's let someone else run a tournament. Mm. But for the most part, I, I think that most people look at being a TO as kind of a thankless job. Oh, yeah, um, You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm trying to win the league. I don't want to be a TO, you know, because then I can't get as many points. We do give TO points by the way for for Uh running tournaments um but um yeah so really trying to get people to become tos and and run tournaments can be a challenge Uh that's why like if you're if you're having 12 ish or more tournaments a year it's easier because you can kind of look at it as like look this is your payback you know you're you're attending say like 10 or 11 tournaments a year Uh um but you're also running one Uh you know and if you have like 10 people that do that well then you can have an entire season and they're not all being you know pushed on one person the other thing that andrew talked about was terrain yeah Yeah. like and and we've got a lot of like our sort of let's call them veteran members that are Mm -hmm. not admin that are always volunteering to bring terrain and you know a lot of depending on where you are and what the community is like or or whatnot like here there's a lot more stores now that will like host a MESBG event in their store mm-hmm. and, and like over here we don't have stores that can run huge tournaments it's just not a thing here so yeah. like you you can get maybe a 20 player tournament run in a store but like a lot of our tournaments initially 
they were held at like independent halls um or you know we've even have tournaments in garages before and when we'd had small tournaments just all kinds of different places and you know cost can be a major a major thing too so like getting money up front from players is very important there's so many things that go into you know not just running a league but being a to so mm -hmm. I, I don't know it's a huge huge topic it is a huge topic um yeah. one that we could probably touch on more and again yeah. um to your point uh, about the terrain pieces having like um like a <clears throat> a group of like you know 10 or 12 people that each have a table and getting them to sort of come to each event or yeah. um, encouraging people to to build terrain or even build a terrain piece um, just gets people to sort of build the collection of terrain for the whole community. Mm -hmm. So when the community comes together to play at an event, there's table terrain um, for the whole event at that community. Yeah, like like let people in the community know if terrain is, is one of your challenges. Look, we're looking for people that can provide one table, a yep. full table of terrain. So make that your year-long hobby project mm -hmm. is to build an entire table of terrain that can be transported. Yeah. You know, and maybe a mat as well that goes with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've I think we've talked quite a bit of that, about that. Um, you know, we could talk a lot more about it, and certainly we don't have all the answers. Like, you know, I think every year in our league we figure out something that's not working, or something you know we could do better, mm -hmm. uh, or something we could add that would be fun. Um, but yeah, just you got to kind of just go for it. But I think the most important thing, and Andrew mentioned this earlier. You got to have a team of people. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a one person or two person thing. Yeah. It's like you got to have a team of people. And look, you got to be flexible, mm -hmm. right? That's one of the most important things with having a team of people trying to run something. It's not going to go like you have to be willing to compromise. It's so important that like you have to be willing to have everybody to have input. And you know, it's it's not your league. So like, let everybody you know, have their ideas heard and, you know, realize that, you know, you have to compromise and, and come up with the best case for, for everybody. Agreed. 100% yeah. agreed. Best segment, the most ill-prepared segment. What have I got in my pocket? <laughs> We've already talked about what the heck, what this thing is in the intro, so let's just get yep. right into it. Don, right shoot from the hip. What's your question? Okay, Go I got it. a question, and this has got to be a little bit quick because we're running short of time. Um, so I'm not going to ask you any more of these quoting questions, or at least not today. Okay. So I got a, a, like an easy, you know, slow pitch. Oh, lob ball. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. For you. All right. Okay. So you're an apartment dweller. You yes. live in an apartment. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so because of that, you have more limited space mm -hmm. for, for hobby stuff. Yes. So just briefly tell me, tell us, how has this affected your purchasing and hobby choices and so on? And how do you cope with having like limited storage for your, for your hobby stuff? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think it pretty much boils down to I v don't have a mindset of permanently keeping things. 
Um, and I also don't have a lot of games that I play. Like when I you know, mm-hmm. had more space, I'd have some 40K, I'd have some uh, Age of Sigmar, I'd have some, um, I'd have some MESBG, you'd have all sorts of games. But like when you're in a situation where you've got like half a closet tops, um, and even then that half a closet, half of it's filled with your clothes and the mm-hmm. bottom racks are filled with stuff. Um, you really have to make hard decisions on what you keep and what you don't keep. And so uh, I'm not a fan of um, just hoarding stuff that I'll never touch. And so I've, I've sort of gone to strides to either sell or get rid of um, other games. And I'm just mm-hmm. solely down to MESBG. Um, although there are, is, is stuff like Age of Sigmar stuff that I want to get rid of. Um, so that's sort of number one. Um, number two, I've also kind of taken, I used to have the mindset of just buy everything, right, uh, with MESBG, but now yeah. it's more of like, let's get creative with storing stuff and let's just focus on one or two factions, maybe three yeah. uh, tops, um, buy what I'd like for it, and then that's kind of it. I mean, you know, we talked about the Rangers of Athelion army that I'm perpetually painting, uh, and it's really just an offshoot from Minas Tirith. Like, I'd use that stuff in my Minas Tirith army, no problem. Mm-hmm. So, to me, um, you know, that's kind of my thing. And I, if I if I look at, trying, at buying a fourth army or a fifth army, um, it's I'm going to be selling one of the first two armies, right? And that's kind of my thing. Yeah, so, um, like, your your legendary Legion project is kind of just an extension of, of the Minas Tirith sort of parent mm-hmm. project, right? Yeah. And, like, so you were talking about collecting models, and so you hear a lot of people talk about their, their pile of shame or whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. like, you know, models, uh, unpainted models or models still in the box and stuff. So that that's something that you just, like, avoid having. Like, you, there's no pile of shame at, at your house. Or oh, it's, God, it's, no. a, it's a very small pile if there is, I it, guess. It's a very small pile in boxes that's sort of like tucked away in the most efficient way possible, but there's definitely a pile of shame. Um, and that's more to do with lack of time painting to, to be able to paint anything. Mm-hmm. But it's also more to do with like, um, there's so many things I want to do that don't involve painting. Like yeah. I enjoy painting, don't get me wrong. Um, but like ever since COVID, um, I don't commute, right? So before when I used to commute, I would do a lot of writing when I commuted, right? So I'm, I'm a game master for Dungeons and Dragons. So I'd write my stories there, the podcast and the content mm-hmm. creation for the podcast. Um, I would use that sort of commuting time to write those stories. So I'd have extra time when I come home to do things like painting. I don't have any of that now. So it's, right. it's sort of like my painting time gets used up to do planning for other things. And, um, you know, that, that is what it is. Um, but yeah, cool. That, so, right. So you're disciplined about your, your buying and your painting and your, your selling and oh, all yeah. that. It's, it's much more planned, I think, than, than what yeah. I Yeah. I mean, I said I wanted to start Mordor again. I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, if I completed my Minas Tirith army to a level that I was, I was, uh, you know, excited about, I probably mm-hmm. would try to sell the whole collection off. I mean, again, I'm not, oh, I'm not. To me, MESBG is not about owning the whole collection. Um, it's about playing with my friends and hanging out with them. Because if at the end of the day, you know, you and Garrett and Chris just dumped MESBG for something else, I'd mm-hmm. sell my whole collection of MESBG in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about talk, talk twice about it. To me, it's about the, the social interaction yeah, you it's, guys. A, it's a social outlet, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like I, I wouldn't do that because because to me, 
I don't know. I just don't think I'd ever get to the point where I would want to sell everything. But, you know, certainly I would get to a point possibly um, where I would sell, say, half my collection just because mm. I don't have the space. I'm actually already looking at sort of paring down a little bit because, you know, one day I'm going to move out of this house and probably won't have as much storage space. So mm -hmm. stuff, you know, stuff that I've had sitting around for a really long time, well, that stuff's got to go. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, hit me with your question. Okay, my question real quick to you. You're going to a Battle Companies event, are you not? Yes, I am. Okay, that's not the question. The actual question Damn. is, what is your Battle Company team or army that you're bringing, your faction? Oh, my gosh. And what is it? Um, I don't know yet. I oh. think, yeah, because I've been debating. I, I'll tell you what I'm considering mm -hmm. taking okay. because I think I've, I've got it shortlisted, I think, to four. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course I just finished my whole Dunland army mm -hmm. and Dunland actually was so far the only battle company to get kind of a revised battle company. Mm. So after the Warren Rohan came out, um, so I'm considering taking them. Okay. Um, uh, I also took to the only other battle companies tournament that we've run in our league, which was an 80 point event. Mm -hmm. So is this one. Uh, the warg riders mm. so it's actually not a faction in the game so it's it's kind of interesting in that way because it's a faction in battle companies mm -hmm. but it's not a faction in mesbg mm -hmm. so um, plus it's it's not all cav because it starts with wargs but it starts with some cavalry models mm -hmm. um they're orcs but anyway so that's a that's a fun one and i've got a few converted models that i could bring for that mm -hmm. uh i'm also thinking of bringing um oh what's it called now the dwarven expedition or whatever i forget the name of it it's the one that has dwarven rangers in mm, okay. um so i'm thinking about bringing that mostly because i made a display board which was intended for battle companies mm -hmm. um so so that would be good and then last but not least i am thinking of and i would have to say that this is probably the front runner is isengard Oh, interesting. Yeah, just because, like, it's my go-to mm -hmm. faction. I really like it. I've got a lot of converted models. It's strong in battle companies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I actually re-listened to this because I have an audio recording of it, but I did a couple of solo episodes on the OSBGL YouTube channel mm -hmm. years ago, uh, and I started doing some battle company breakdown episodes where I yeah, review I battle companies. And, like, one of the ones I did there was on Isengard. And, like, there's a lot of cool things going on in that battle company um, that you can do. Like, you know, they have advanced warrior advancements. They have a special chart. Mm -hmm. They have a special war gear item that nobody else has. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they can get crossbows. They can't get cavalry. But it's, I don't know, I really like that faction mm -hmm. uh, for, for fun reasons. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, so there you go. Those are my contenders. Let's be honest here. I am to MESPG as you are to battle companies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, if, if, if you're on the tables on April 2nd and you see Don across you and you say, oh, man, this is Don. I'm going to have so much fun. Don't. He is the destroyer of worlds when it comes to battle companies. <laughs> no. Be prepared to get stomped thoroughly into the ground. Uh, I, I want my opponent to have fun. That's, that's what I want. Um, I do want to win because mm -hmm. it's a tournament. But, like, to me, fun is more important than winning. Way more important. Not yet, even in the same ballpark. And yet, Don 
does exceedingly well at almost every event he goes to. Well, I would hope so. I mean, God, with all the games and tournaments I've been to, you know, I would hope that I can do all right. You just have to get over the fact that you keep saying, oh, I've lost, it's over, it's game over, it's game over. It's game over, <laughs> yeah, this is over. You know, because I won't be here for the segment where you talk about the tournament thing. <laughs> I, uh, I always check my, my Facebook Messenger because I'm like, okay, I want to get mm-hmm. updates of what's going on. And almost invariably, I get a message from you that says, playing so-and-so on this table in this mission, it's game over. It's just, it's game over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both bad for that. You're bad for that, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think everybody, a lot of people do it anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I guess this is kind of the end of this episode. I still have to record yeah. another segment, but thank you for joining me as co-host as usual, Andrew. Thank you, sir. And I expect you to start working diligently now on uh, main topic subject matter we've got a couple in all your free time so that we can you and I can get together and record main topics and Mm -hmm. probably have to record you know several episodes with Mm -hmm. the the other guys yep yep Uh, yeah Anyway. Well, we've got I got a lot of ideas in the hopper. Uh, that we are not short on that for main topics. That's we for aren't. Sure. No, very good. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for another episode here on North of the Shire. <laughs>